Welcome to AI Podcast, your podcast for real estate resources and independent living strategies for the disability community. Today, in this episode, we will be talking about the Fair Housing Act Amendment, your rights as a renter under the law, and by incorporating portable modifications into your rental apartment can help you start saving to modifying your forever home in the future. But please make sure you stay to the very end for additional resources and potential giveaways. Hi, I'm Angela Fox, your host for AI Podcast, blogger, author, and entrepreneur for the disabled home buyer. Why? Because accessibility is home. September is the anniversary of the Fair Housing Act Amendment that finally included disabilities in 1998. As I started preparing for this episode, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that they could no longer support the CDC's authority in the federal eviction moratorium, affecting about 7 million people who are currently behind on their rent. For the disability community, The Fair Housing Act, FHA, power is primarily found within rental property for a lot of reasons. The next few months are going to be crucial to see if Congress steps up and gives the authority back to the CDC to re-establish the eviction moratorium. Now, I am the first to say that the published stats or statistics out there have not accurately captured how many homeowners and how many are renters who are disabled. If you factor that only 5% of the people with disabilities in the United States are disabled before the 27th birthday, the remaining 95% of the disability community would be at the age to have bought a home before becoming disabled, not needing to modify and buy a home at the same time. But the fact remains, renting is a huge part of housing industry for so many disabled people, and I hope Congress steps in. If you are renting, you need to know what changes you can request to meet your disability needs under the Fair Housing Act. First, it is important to know that the Fair Housing Act does not apply to landlords who do not have more than four units meaning homeowners who rent out their entire home or just a single room do not have to follow the FHA at all, leaving that pretty much only apartment complexes or condos available for home ownership that may have some accessibility requirements underneath the Fair Housing Act. The FHA provides accommodations and modifications to meet your disability needs as a renter. In many settings out there, the term accommodations includes all changes needed to accommodate a disability. However, under the FHA, accommodation has a more narrow focus. It is a change in rules, policies, practices, and services. Accommodations could include a lot of things. Some examples are allowing a service animal when there is no pet policy a housing provider waiving a guest fee 
for a live-in home health aide for a tenant with a disability, a housing provider for going placing the disabled tenant on a wait list to assign a parking space in the property's parking garage if you need better access, a housing provider waiving a no co-signers rule for an applicant with a disability who was unable to work and therefore would not meet the housing provider's minimum income requirement to rent it in the first place unless they had someone else co-sign it, and housing providers waiving a 55 age or older requirement to resign in the property such as assisted living if the disabled tenant who may be under 55 needed the same services that the community provides. Now, a modification is a physical change in your apartment. So you have the same equal opportunity to enjoy that apartment. Modifications can include interior and exterior changes. Some common examples are a ramp, widening doorways, uh, installing a fence and grab bars. Now, whether it is a request for accommodation or a modification, it must be reasonable. Now, reasonable is a tricky and murky term. In the disability community, it's hard to think that anything that you need because of your disability will somehow be unreasonable. Now, that's not necessarily true under the law. The law must balance both the landlord's interests, yours, and the general public. In the Fair Housing Act, it's unreasonable if it causes an undue financial and administrative burden to the housing provider, a change in the nature of housing program available, harm or damage to others, or a technological impossibility. Please consult a lawyer for more details. Another distinction between accommodations and modification is the burden of cost. For accommodations, the burden is upon the landlord, and if it's a modification, the burden is upon the renter. The only exception is if the property was funded by federal or state funds. Federal or state-funded property must pay for reasonable accommodation because they were given notice that if they wanted these funds, that individuals who request certain accessibility features found in the Fair Housing Act should be part of that property. If it's not, it doesn't matter who it is or if it's accessibility or modification, the property or landlord must pay for it. A landlord can not only request you pay for the modifications to be done, but if it's possible to undo it, you have to pay for it to change it back. Why pay to modify your apartment and pay for the modifications to be removed? Well, there is a presumption, unfortunately, in the law that a modification will never be used by another person with a disability, that there is not a niche market for accessibility property, or at the end, it devalues the rental property somehow. Nothing could be further from the truth if one follows universal design standards, visibility, and other mainstream home design, such as you might have already heard about age and place or one level living. At the end of the day, universal design benefits is not universally known. However, don't let the screws of modification screw you over. 
Paying for modification is daunting. I know it is. Knowing the concept of universal design benefits could be a winning argument for why your landlord should pay for the reasonable modifications. There is nothing in the law that states the landlord cannot pay for the modifications. It's just not a requirement of them. Here are three winning arguments for landlords to pay for modifications. One, modifications can be used by all, disabled or non-disabled, and many are very cost-effective to put in. You just got to ensure them that it will be cosmetically appealing, that it won't stick out. Two, an accessible apartment is more marketable, especially if the complex is near a hospital, public transportation, grocery store, or downtown food or other walkable areas. Three, it's environmentally friendly because it prevents waste if you keep the modifications. So let me give you an example. I rented out a one-bedroom apartment on the ground floor on an exterior wall of the building. I had French doors that could have opened to the outside but for security reasons. There were bars to be placed there. I had an assistant dog and really didn't want to go through the hallway and walk around the building in the early dark morning hours before I go, go to work or before I go to bed. I had requested the removal of the bars and the shrubs. I also requested a few more inches of extra mulch to be laid down to be level with the apartment floor for I could easily just wheel out. I also point out to the fact that the handicap door button to the complex kept breaking frequently and when the power went out, it wouldn't work at all. In fact, I experienced that. Creating a safety issue for me if I can't get the door opened. The apartment complex, to my amazement, decided to build a brick and cemented ramp at their cost and they still have it today. There are many important points here. First, I chose a modification that was not costly. I would have to pay for the labor to remove the bars and shrubs and about two bags of mulch. Second, the modification wasn't anything different cosmetically and would stick out, therefore. Third, it was universally designed in spirit because whether you are in a wheelchair like myself or not, everyone likes to have an exit directly to the outside to quickly get in and out. Finally, I provided a little incentive to the apartment complex by noting that they wouldn't have to address the emergency calls for the building's handicap button being broken as frequently because at that point in time, I seem to be the only one who is disabled. Now you need to make lemonade out of lemons. Getting your landlord to pay for modifications is always the best option, duh. But the harsh reality is many landlords, even when you make a win-win argument, won't pay for your modifications. You should stop there though. Buying a home is not only expensive in its purchase price, it is expensive to modify it. In another episode I on my podcast, I had talked about how there is a lot of tax in the disability home ownership experience that I wouldn't recommend doing all at once or at the last minute. The same is true in modifying your home. 
Instead of thinking about just modifying your rental home, think of it as an investment into your new home that you will buy. Unless your landlord has another tenant with a disability wanting those modifications, the modifications will be just thrown out. Ugh, right? What a waste, you say, and I agree. But it's your chance, as I noted, that you need to make lemonade out of lemons that nobody wants. So you need to focus on what I call portable modifications. It's a term I made up, but I think it's fitting. You should look for modifications that are portable, meaning not needing constructions to already existing walls or doorways. I'm also a big advocate for, for looking for equipment not labeled for the disability community, but could accommodate your needs just the same. Why? Cost. Items that are labeled for the disability community irrespective if it's actual medical equipment or not, somehow, magically, seems to cost more money. Don't believe me? Try look up a few things. It's kind of like a household items that are marketed towards women. Sorry, ladies. In a lot of cases, like a razor blade, for example, it's fundamentally the same product as a male, but for the color, the packaging, like pink color. Yet, that same product is slightly more costly. It's the same concept here for disability. So for portable modifications, I found success by targeting camping stores. Camping stores will have cooking and kitchen items that you can take with you if you happen to have a trailer instead of a simple tent. I know, I'm a pamper. I don't do tents. If you strike out at camping stores, then try to search other stores with key terms that describe what you need the portable item to do, but do not use the word disability, handicap, or senior. I have done that here at Amazon and have come up with the following portable modifications to buy that you might be of interest. In the kitchen, pull-down shelving is a portable. There's also a portable dishwasher, small but effective, and fog mirror. In the bathroom, you can have a bathtub grab bars, built-in foldable tub bench seat, sink and suction grab bars, and also a tilt mill. A portable ramp for uneven floor plan or to get into the apartment that you can take down. And smart lighting and thermostat that you can use your phone. And if you like me, you do not like to have carpet floor. So buy interlocking patio deck tile to create a fake hardware floor. While I have done best to find portable modifications that are a few hundred dollars or less, many may find it challenging to afford some or all of the portable modifications. Finding your state's assistive technology office, usually in the Department of Disability under uh, Health or Housing, many assistive technology offices have a long library of devices used that you can actually borrow for free. And also, don't overlook the many Facebook group, groups that are devoted to selling used disability equipment for bargain deals. Now, I will have the actual list of the equipment that I have found on Amazon in my next upcoming blog. And I will also have a handout coming soon 
of these Facebook groups that are devoted to selling assistive technology in the home and maybe wide theme portable devices. So please check out my podcast for that. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on Accessibility is Home podcast. Now, before you leave, please write down my website at www.horizontalhouses.com. Horizontalhouses.com is your hub if you are a potential disabled home buyer or if you have a home yourself and you need to modify it. On HorizontalHouses.com, it will provide you with my blog articles with the latest news information in real estate as well as its accessibility. But more importantly than even my blog, which I think is fabulous, is a direct link to my book, My Blue Front Door. My Blue Front Door book is sold on Amazon and it is the only book on Amazon exclusively written for the working class disabled home buyer. Yes, so if you are an individual that is working and you want to figure out how do you shop for a home? How do you work with your real estate agent? What kind of financial resources are out there that you might qualify despite having an income? Or what do you do once you do have your home for modifying all of that on my Blue Front Door book is sold on Amazon and is for any individual that might meet those qualifications. Now, before you leave, please, please, if you are on social media and you like this episode, please like with me, whatever you may be. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So look for Accessibility is Home, and that is my account. All that information on social media, how to contact me, is on HorizontalHouses.com. And last but not least, if you are a real estate agent, a flipper, a contractor, a housing developer, or a nonprofit, or even a bank, all focused on housing and you have no idea how to incorporate the disability community, the largest minority in the United States, please give me a call. That information is also found on HorizontalHouses.com and I'll be more than happy to introduce you to consulting opportunities where I can tell you what type of houses are more easily accessible. What do you need to put? How do you market for accessibility? As well as if you're interested in having me on as for a speaking engagement. If you have a panel or anything like that, please remember to include disabilities in that conversation for housing, even if it's not me. So please reach out at www.horizontalhouses.com. And remember, by all means, accessibility is home.